Don't know what you expect from January. Normally not a lot, probably, weather-wise, but I certainly didn't expect what we got on Wednesday, where we seemed to get everything from winter in a 24-hour period. We had rain, we had mild weather, we had flooding, we had snow, we had ice, we had wind, and then we had a thaw. I also didn't expect the last year to pan out the way it did. But let's just think about life following Jesus. What do you expect the Christian life to be like? When other expectations in life perhaps let us down, what do you think life should be like as we follow Jesus, the Son of God? Well, as we continue in Mark's Gospel today, we find ourselves drawn into those very early days of Jesus' ministry. And within the few verses that we've read this morning, there are so many things going on. We see Jesus calling disciples, we see him preaching and teaching, driving out evil spirits, healing people, prayer in a solitary place. Sometimes we can almost get sort of immune to reading the Gospels and just how extraordinary all these events are. But these are the kinds of things that we don't expect to happen. They were not expected in Jesus' day, and they're not expected in ours either. So sort of thinking about that theme of expectation today, I want to look at three things. The first thing is about following Jesus. The second thing is about um, restoring and how Jesus comes to restore. And the third thing is about prayer. So let's look at following, first of all. In verse 15, Jesus had offered that initial gospel proclamation. The next thing he does is he walks by the Sea of Galilee and he calls people to follow after him. Now, in our world, we're used to advertising. We're used to um, things trying to catch our attention, to buy something or go somewhere or eat something or drink something. It's all over the internet. It's on our TV screens. It's pushed through our letterboxes and it's on billboards at the side of the roads. Not so much in the ancient world. Advertising really wasn't a big thing. Perhaps a papyrus poster wasn't something that was really that eye-catching. But if a teacher wanted to gain followers, normally they had to do it by reputation, not by going seeking out people to follow after them. So Jesus does the exact opposite of what people would expect. And he goes and he deliberately seeks out people to follow him, these fishermen by the Sea of Galilee. Why does he do this? Well, as the gospel unfolds, we find that Jesus is no ordinary teacher. He isn't just after people to come and hear what he has to say. He isn't just going to debate a new set of ideas with somebody. But he's after something much deeper. He's after people who will follow after him, people who will hear this message of the gospel, this message of saving hope. And Jesus is always calling people. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. This really does matter today. I think sometimes in our world where we think we make all our own choices for ourselves, it's just an important reminder that the gospel is God's initiative. Jesus calling us is how our relationship with him starts. Now, obviously, we have to respond to that. But it's all of God's doing. It's it's God through Christ who calls us to follow after him. Are we doing that today? Are we following after Jesus rather than just being interested in his ideas? Are we actually doing the things that we see Jesus doing and saying? Secondly, as a church, you know, it can be very easy to sort of fall back into the way the ancient world was and sort of have a purely attractional model of being church and think that if we just do nice things, people will come and they'll, they'll find Jesus and they'll find saving faith that way. There's that response to there's that call to invite people and to encourage people to have that response to Jesus, to come after him in repentance and faith. Now, we don't know yet what the post-COVID world will look like. 
We don't know yet whether our society will be more open to hearing the gospel. It's my hope, it's my prayer that God will do great things over the coming years. But actually, people will need to hear it. If we're going to have a generation of Simon and Andrew, James and John, then we have to be prepared to share, don't we? We have to be prepared to let people know that Jesus is calling them. So the second thing to look at is about restoring. Verses 21 to 28, we hear how Jesus goes to preach and then confronts a man who's been taken over by an evil spirit and he releases him from the powers of darkness. Verses 29 to 32, we see the healing of Simon's mother-in-law and then already we see the crowd starting to gather to see what is going on. What do we expect the ministry of churches to look like when we're followers of Jesus? What do we expect our ministries as Christians to look like? Over the years, there have been many discussions in, in the wider church as to whether we should expect our ministries to look something like that of Jesus, where we pray for the sick, where we see restoration from people from and the hold of evil over their lives, or whether it should look like something quite different. From my reading of scripture and from what happens in the life of the early church, it seems perfectly logical to me that actually we should just see that continuation. We should still be people with an expectancy that Jesus is in the business of restoration. Now that is restoration, and the biggest restoration of all, the biggest miracle of all, is when we're born again to eternal life, when we experience sins forgiven, when we experience new life in Christ, and when we know that our eternity with him is secure. But from time to time, God in his mercy and in his grace breaks into our experience in the here and now and we see something of the kingdom breaking out in our lives. It may be through healing, it may be through deliverance, as it was in this passages. Now Jesus does the unexpected here. These are not things that were normal in Jesus' day. There were people who went around, Jewish healers and people who were into deliverance, But actually, if we read the historians of the time, they were largely ineffective. So are we people who pray for the sick? Are we people who have expectation that God will still be at work in our lives, in our churches, in our communities? In Mark, these are evidence that the kingdom of God has broken out. When God moves in our lives and we see restoration and transformation... We see it as evidence that the gospel is moving in power. But we do need to be careful here. We need to make sure that we don't go or say those things that go beyond what Jesus does and what we see evidenced in the New Testament. Not every person in the New Testament was healed. Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh, and he talks about this this thing. We're not quite sure what it was. But he, he says that he goes to God and he prays three times for it to be taken. But the Lord said, actually, no, my grace is sufficient. Sometimes God will just give us grace to live with the situation. Sometimes God will give us peace. But when we come and pray to him, when we have that expectancy that he will move, then God is gracious and kind. So what does it mean for us as we read these passages about about healing, about deliverance in the middle of a pandemic? Well, just a couple of things I don't think it, it should ever mean. And one is that we fall into some kind of glib answers, thinking we've got all this sorted. 
The other thing I don't think it should mean is that we, we try and oversimplify things or, or make dangerous claims that actually just pile on the pressure on people. You know, I, I once had somebody say to me when I'd been ill, um, you've not been healed because you've not got enough faith. You know, how destructive is it to say things like that? Jesus never spoke to people like that. But I think what we do need to do is be people of expectancy. People with a confidence that God cares, that God is love, that God is at work, that God wants to intervene and wants to transform our lives. Now, sometimes, yes, when we pray, that will be physical. Other times, it will be that sense of God's presence. And we constantly have to look forward to that great day, whether God heals us in this life or not, when we will be restored and made complete and whole in him. Today, are we expectant that God will be at work when we pray? Are we expectant that God will do measurably more than we can ask or imagine? Are we expectant people? Third thing is about prayer. I mentioned the rain a few moments ago. Now, water is obviously essential to life, but water can also be a a very transformative force if you get too much of it. We've seen that in the last few days, haven't we? Water can make a landscape look beautiful, but it can also, by its sheer power, transform that landscape. Now, as we read Mark's Gospel, we can get very taken up with the drama of these events of healing and deliverance. And sometimes we can miss these moments of poignancy, where Jesus simply goes to the quiet place and spends time with his Heavenly Father. Verse 35, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Do you have a life where you expect to be a person of prayer? Do you expect to encounter the Lord Jesus as you pray? You know, perhaps at the moment we feel actually we have too much stillness because we have this stay-at-home order, don't we? And sometimes I think actually it's the hardest time when we're alone quite a lot or we're in those places of general stillness to actually find the time to focus really on the Lord. But can I encourage us to be people of expectant prayer? People who seek out the solitary place with the Lord in our lives. Are we expectant? I don't know what you expect your life to be like as a follower of Jesus. I don't know whether you expect it to be about praying for the sick. I don't know whether you expect it to be about seeking those times of solitary prayer. Whether you expect it to be about encouraging others to follow Jesus. But if we're followers of Jesus, if we're doing the things that Jesus does, then these are the kind of things it means. I'm just going to finish with a couple of verses from John 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's pray. Lord, I want to pray that today we will be people of expectation. As we read the gospel, that we won't think that these are just events that took place 2,000 years ago and have nothing to do with us. But that we will look at what you did and we will see that following you means to do the same things, have the same message that you brought. So today, I just want to pray that we'll be people of expectation. People who will look to you. People who will seek you. And people who will be prepared to share the amazing good news. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.